Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello and welcome to a brand new Arsblog Arscast right here on Arsblog.com. How are you? Hope you're well. It's been a pretty quiet week, all things considered. We didn't have a midweek game for the first time in ages, so there was little or no news doing the rounds apart from a bit of injury and fitness updates. And I was thinking going into this podcast, what are we really going to talk about? I know we've got a game against West Ham coming up at the weekend, and we can talk about transfers because the transfer window is is open and then today (laughs) Unai Emery at his press conference revealed that Arsenal can't buy any players in the January transfer window we can only loan them talk about putting the cat among the proverbial pigeons and by cat I mean saber-toothed tiger and by pigeons I mean Arsenal fans online and to say the news went down badly would be would be downplaying it in a very considerable way. So there is now a common theme running through this podcast. Uh, See if you can figure out what it is. I'll give you a musical clue. It's quite obtuse. Might take you a little while, but see if you can work it out. Very tough, very tough. But I have faith in the intelligence and education of the audience of this podcast, so you've probably figured it out. I'll be joined in a few minutes by Andrew Allen and Tim Stillman. We're going to talk about that particular Unai Emery statement, what it might mean. Does it mean we have no money? Is that explicitly what he's saying? Perhaps it's something else that he's not capable of expressing in English or doesn't have the subtlety of language uh, to get the point across in a different way. The implication is we don't have any money, but maybe there's more to it. We'll try and tease that out with Andrew and Tim and look at our finances over the last couple of years. We'll look at the money that we've spent. We'll look at the costs that we've incurred, the the money we've brought in, and perhaps the money, very importantly, that we won't be getting, that we should have got for various players uh, in the past and also in the future this summer. Of course, we know that there are going to be a couple of players who are going to be leaving for free. And that, of course, is not good management, not good business sense. So we'll get into all of that, what it might mean for this squad in terms of incomings in January, how it might affect our chances of achieving what we want to achieve this season. We'll look at uh, the West Ham game as well and anything else that crops up in that particular conversation. Before we talk to the lads, though, just a reminder that if you want more podcasts, more things to listen to, more things to read, you can become an Arsblog member on Patreon and get instant access to loads of extra content. History podcasts, the Pastcast Extra with myself and James, where we uh, we do a podcast on a game from the past as if it's just happened. The brand new episode this week is Arsenal 3, Manchester United 2 from 1997. You might remember that game. You do, don't you? If you yeah, you do. You want a reminder? It was this game. Sent towards him, as you would have expected, as Manchester United would have expected. That's Vieira! Absolutely fantastic! It flew in! Oh, great header, David Platt! 
It is fun to uh, to relive old games like that. So you can listen to those podcasts, all the history podcasts, read all the articles. It costs just five euros a month, plus VAT if you're in the EU. If you're not in the EU, you do not pay VAT. So sign up today. Help support everything that we do here on Arsblog and get access to all this extra content. Patreon.com forward slash Arsblog. That is Patreon.com forward slash Arsblog. Right, with me now on the Arsecast to discuss the... Uh very interesting topic of money when it comes to Arsenal. First, Andrew Allen. Hello, Andrew. Good evening. Good evening to you. And <laughs> Tim Stillman, good evening to you. Good evening. Now, uh, Tim, uh, Unai Emery today at his press conference caused ructions, I guess you might say, by letting everybody know that Arsenal can't buy any players in the January transfer window. Uh, he was asked who might come in. This is exactly what he said, so I don't want to misquote him in any way. He said, we cannot sign permanently. We can only loan players, only loan players. So um, how do we interpret what exactly he's saying? Because the obvious implication is that we don't have any money, and that mm. might well be the case for this January transfer window, that we don't necessarily have a a great deal of money but does it mean we have no money is it a case perhaps that what little money we have we are holding till the summer to uh, to invest in players who are part of a a more planned transfer approach mm -hmm. as opposed to something that might be considered firefighting in january yeah it's interesting isn't it i mean for for a start-off, it's probably not that unusual to not entirely understand something Unai Emery said in a press conference <laughs> um, or to try and decipher it, um, rather. Um, but the, this this wasn't really like a linguistic kind of tick this time. This this was a bit more... Um, uh, there's a bit more meat on this. I mean, you could interpret it a number of ways. One way I don't interpret it is that we've got no money. I just don't believe that. Yeah. Um, and like the cash balances and everything seem to show that we have money, um, you know, whether it's committed or where it's committed to, perhaps we don't quite know. And we're going to know even less about that over time. But um, I don't believe that the club have no money to spend on transfers. I think we all probably know that they don't have, you know, relative to our immediate rivals, we don't have that much because we've spent so much and we've frankly frittered quite a lot away recently. Mm. Um, so th this could be two things. It could be that um, to resurrect an old Ivan Gazidis phrase, they're keeping their powder dry um, <laughs> for the summer when they possibly they're thinking of, about... You know, just getting some players in to tide them over because we've lost Welbeck, we've lost Mkhitaryan and they just want to get someone in, a body in and then reassess it in the summer and have a more kind of holistic, for want of a better word, look at everything. Or what it could be, or, or they could be waiting for the Adidas money, mm. although... For me, if you know that money's coming in, you can kind of start spending it anyway. Bridging loan. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but... It, it could be, and I think this is possibly more likely that this is a bit of a, a the you know the dance of negotiation around Denis Suarez because what it looks like is that we want to loan him and that Barcelona want to sell him. Um, the whole reason Barcelona bought him back in the first place was because they had a dirt cheap clause, buyback clause, and they never wanted him. They just wanted to bring him back so they could sell him. So they want to sell him, we want to loan him. And I tend to think that this is probably just like a little bit of a, a public um, shot across the bowels at Barcelona to say, mm. um, we, we're not going to be paying cash money for him. Um, we want him on loan. So I think that that's the most likely, but I do also think that maybe he's spoken to, um, should we say, the transfer committee, and they've said there's no value in January, let's reassess in the summer. Yeah. Andrew, I, I mean, what's your thoughts on that, that it might be tied into the Dennis Suarez thing? My, my feeling on it is that I'm not sure it's quite as linked as Tim might say, because I'm not sure how important... Dennis Suarez is in the grand picture of things or when you put out a statement like that where the implication is we have no money in January it goes a bit further than just one deal that we're trying to get across the line yeah I mean something interesting is obviously happening because it's taken until we're what 10 days into January for someone from the club to turn around and kind of bring up the fact that we're only going to loan a player mm. I mean this hasn't been a, a kind of narrative in the last six months um 
you know, Emery's not once suggested that loans were the only type of move we might try and make. Um, we did, we did, sorry, we did uh, have uh, Raul Sanyehi speaking quite clearly about the January transfer window and his opposition to buying players in yeah. in that period. Absolutely. There was, a, there was a sense of an unwillingness necessarily to part with money, but they certainly didn't specifically say we're only going to be dealing in loans. And I felt like there was even a sort of slight change in tact on his part and the part of uh, Vinny Benga Teshishim. God, I've got that wrong, haven't I? Um, who, um, especially when, when Welbeck and um, Holding got injured, mm. I kind of genuinely sensed that they were kind of looking at the situation like, you know, we probably may well have to spend some money now. Um, now, I don't know. I mean, are we hamstrung by last January's dealings and the, the wage inflation over the course of a 12-month period? I thought there was something interesting the other day, and I don't know if I'm reading too much into this, but the... You know, earlier in the season, it sounded like we were trying to do a renegotiation of Monreal's contract. And instead, what we're going to do is just take the one year kind of stopgap extension in his clause, as opposed to maybe giving him a slightly longer deal, which, you know, Emery seemed to sort of be open to earlier in the season. It definitely feels like there's a sort of tightening of the belt at the moment. And I wonder also whether they're looking at the other clubs. Spurs have spent nothing in the last window. They're spending nothing in this window they'll probably lose a player or two this window, in fact. And they're still delivering the goods. And I wonder whether there's a sort of a look at Emery and a wonder whether or not he can just push on with what he's got. We've had a few players return from injury this week on the defensive front in particular, which is an area where we've obviously been light. Um, I don't, I mean, it's, it's, it's a strange situation, but this is a very definitive change in language. It is. Uh, and I do, you know, understand I'm not, uh, you know, I don't think any of us are particularly big fans of Stan Kroenke, Tim. Uh, <laughs> there is a, a serious outpouring online, if you can use that to gauge the mood, <laughs> that doesn't uh, particularly um, augur well for uh, Stan Kroenke being on anyone's Christmas card next year. But how much of what's going on can we lay at his door... I mean, there is something inside me that says the first transfer window in which KSE have 100% control and we're yeah. being told we can only do loans. And let's remember that this follows uh, an email that KSE sent to all departments in the club looking for them to make cost savings wherever possible. So, you know, staff who are used to getting a happy new year, thanks for all your hard work, let's make 2019 great, got to listen, folks, you need to, you know, cut, cut the costs wherever you can. You know, there's a part of me that thinks those two things are fairly well connected and it's hard not to be a bit cynical about it. But when you look at the way we've spent money and done deals over the last little while, you can understand why things might be tight. For example, you yep. you get rid of a 30-goal-a-season Alexis Sanchez. Uh, I know there was a lot going on in that particular uh, situation, but there's a 30-goal-a-season player going out the door who's earning £130,000 a week, and you replace him with a, a guy like Henrik Mkhitaryan who gets £200,000 a week and isn't half mm. as productive a player as Alexis Sanchez was for us. By any stretch of the imagination, that's bad business. Mm. Yeah, and that's that's the thing. So I, I haven't, to this point, had this real sense of austerity from Arsenal. That, Like you say, they've spent plenty of money. Um, they've just spent it pretty badly. And the thing is, for Stan Kroenke at the moment is he will be making less money out of Arsenal uh, while they're not in the Champions League. He'll still be making money, but he'll be making a bit less and he'll want that to change. And also, <clears throat> excuse me, let's let's not forget, we would have spent a lot of money on the backroom staff. So getting Mislintat out of Dortmund, getting Raul Sanyehi out of Barcelona and, um, you know, the reports about getting it, potentially getting Edu um, in as well. He just signed a new contract with... Pay, um, paying off Wenger and all Wenger exactly. staff, bringing in Emery and all Emery staff. Yep. Yep, exactly. So there is there is quite a lot of money gone out the door that's not necessarily going on the football pitch. Um, and it seems like, again, if the Edu thing is true, he's got um, a four-year contract that they'd have to buy him out of with Brazil. So mm. I, I don't really get that 
that total sense um, of austerity. And I, because I, I, I still feel very much like basically instead of leaving the running of the club to Ivan Gazidis and Arsene Wenger, now there's kind of they're trying to put a few more kind of bodies in there. And I'm not sure Kroenke has that. Well, obviously he has the final say and the iron fist, but I, I still get the sense that he's a fairly laissez-faire. Um, I wouldn't even call him a leader, really. I think he appoints guys to, to mm. run the club for him. Um, so I'm, uh, you know, obviously that, that email is quite concerning, and you know the extent to which, uh, how much is correlation causation um, between that and and this window? Is this just a tactic um, to say that we don't have any money? A, a lot of this stuff will come out in the fullness of time, but I I I get the sense. My sense with Kroenke is not that he in and of himself is. Um, he's not an interfering presence. So while I don't think he tries to drive the club forward, I also don't think he tries to do anything to hold it back. He basically, he doesn't really do anything. He just appoints guys to run it for him. So, um, but you're right. Now he has a hundred percent control of the club. It might, it might go a bit differently. I'd be surprised if things didn't start to go a bit differently, but um, I, I personally, I'm still in a kind of wait and see uh, pattern with that. Hmm. Andrew, uh, on the the KSE one hundred percent ownership thing, I mean, do you see a link between the the statement today and that, or is it just a consequence of the way we have used money and spent money and uh, added to our budgets in a really substantial way? You know, we did we keep the um, the spreadsheets, don't we? You know, with the mm. the transfer business, and in 2017-18, we came out of that window with a 20 million pound profit. We don't sell players very well, but I think in that particular uh, season, we sold Walcott, we sold Giroud for reasonable fees for both of them, uh, and Oxley Chamberlain went, I think, for a pretty good fee, all things considered, 35, 40 million pounds. You look beyond that, of course, and there are players who who we've spent money on or we haven't got anywhere near enough. We're not good sellers, and I think that's something we've got to learn and, and get on top of. So is it more about the way the club has been run in a kind of, I won't say ad hoc, but in this weirdly reactive way over the last number of seasons, you know, deadline day signings where you spend £20 million on a striker who you don't play and then sell him for £4 million, that kind of stuff, that... At some point, if you are operating under this self-sustaining model, you've got to address those issues or those issues will come back to bite you and hamper your uh, your potency or basically what you've got to spend. I mean, there's absolutely no doubt that the amount that we have going out on a monthly basis has just gone through the roof. I mean, it's crazy. Um, what's interesting, though, is that we're obviously facing a dawn now where there's a complete lack of transparency compared to what we had before. We don't have any clue whether or not KSE are going to bother publishing uh, the financial results as happened when the club wasn't fully in uh, Kroenke's ownership. They do have to give some accounts to the Premier League via Companies House, but we don't get the half-yearly good. Yeah, exactly. Is it not going to, it's not going to be the same full breakdown of everything, is no, it? No, I don't think so. So... I mean, I think it's interesting that they'll be at least able to hide behind that. You know, they won't be picked to, you know, picked apart as they usually are by the Arsenal uh, faithful, particularly those who've got a, a good accounting eye. Um, I mean, I, 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 you, you do the, the the kind of napkin maths on on the amount of money that we 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 gave to Urzel, Mkhitaryan, Aubameyang in wages and the long term contracts there, and even when you consider who we sold and who we got off the books, then you add in Wenger. I mean, Wenger's what? His, he was on about 8 million a yeah. year. We have to tighten our belts and we really have to get those players who we have firing. But it's it's an interesting message to turn around and share with the world, especially at a time when you're in the Europa League, you're in fifth place, your rivals behind you are kind of you know, chasing you, Manchester United are chasing us, you know, we've got four mm. big teams ahead of us who are still seem willing to spend money, still seem willing to strengthen. It feels to me like it has, an, uh, this message has an ability to turn the crowd against the club and to get everybody frustrated again. And we've been riding a pretty nice 
wait for a while you know new faces coming in patience a, a willingness to kind of get behind the players I feel like this type of thing is going to change that narrative again and it doesn't take much to get Arsenal fans going crazy <laughs> we've seen it you know you'll have you know queues around the block to talk to Arsenal fan TV by the next game um, I kind of felt like maybe the opportunity was there to keep positivity going so I mean um, so do you think um, just sticking with you Andrew do you think it was just Unai Emery conveying a message in the best way that he could do you think he was perhaps making it public because he wants the club to spend or he needs the club to spend you know I, I'm not sure he was out to to sow discord or, or anything like that no, I, no, I, just, I, I don't think personally so. I think he in what he said was just telling the truth. We can only loan players. And that might be, we can only loan players because we don't have money right now, or we can only loan players because we don't want to make a financial commitment to a player in January because we don't really want them in January. We mm. would prefer to wait until the summer to get the players that we really want. And I think if we're going to talk about a club that spent money badly as frustrating as this might be, and it is clearly frustrating to to hear something like this and the implication, I would prefer that we did things better. We all want to see the improvement. If that means frustration in January because we've got to stick with the guys that we've got, I think I'm prepared to do that because we can't keep buying these stopgap mediocre players who will not and cannot take us to a level that we want to be yeah sure i mean obviously there's no guarantee that by signing a player you're somehow going to provoke an upturn in form and we're suddenly going to be in the champions league next season and i think they're really hedging their bets on the idea that we might be able to sneak in this season mm. with what we've got and they seem kind of willing enough to put the faith in Emery's tactical ability and the players who are already on decent money who really owe us a, a fucking good season off the back of the last couple to go and do the job. Fine. I just, I, what was interesting, actually, I don't know if you've actually seen the full video of the press conference. No. But the question that was put to him was not, will you be going out and buying and then him turning around and saying, we can only loan players. He was specifically asked, will he only be loaning players? which was a really weird question because it was particularly focused on loans as if I'm not entirely sure why you would ask that question. It was almost like there was a tip-off of some sort. Um, I'm not going to start spreading those kind of... <laughs> but it, Come it was, on, it let's was go down the conspiracy I, I don't think he can hide behind a linguistic thing. I mean, he be he basically gave a truthful answer to a, to a question that was posed to him straight up. Um, yeah, maybe... maybe I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Tim? I, I think uh, going back to your, I was going to say going back to your point, Andrew, that doesn't really clear things up, does it? <laughs> Go, going back to the original question, I think um, at, at, at the risk of getting like really deep and philosophical on this, I think Arsenal are really, really interesting co crossroads because they have to balance an immediate urgent short-term need to get back in the Champions League and that is very real and that has driven a lot of the short-termism over the last 18 months or so but at the same time if they're a bit clever if they look at their immediate rivals in the top six at the moment they look at you know you look at like Klopp at Liverpool he's been there three and a half years Pochettino at Spurs he's been there what four and a half years Guardiola at City three and a half years they're settled they're very good coaches. They're coaches that the clubs are very, very happy with. And at the moment, if you're Arsenal, you kind of say, well, even if we were in tip-top shape, we might not be able to compete with that. But um, a storm is coming for those three clubs because modern football being the way it is, those managers probably aren't going to be there for another three years. So I think in the next couple of years, those clubs are going to go into a big transitional phase, maybe a bit like the one we're in at the moment, because they're all going to struggle to, to replace their coaches with better than what they've currently got. And if Arsenal are smart, they might kind of just take a little bit of a step back and say, right, Let's let's like quietly build a bit of a young team so that in two or three years, when our rivals might hit a bit of turbulence, we'll be ready to capitalise. Um, you know, a little bit like the the kind of things opened up for us in 2016, even though we didn't capitalise fully. And, uh, and and I think Andrew M, you make a good point about 
we we risk staying on this treadmill where we keep buying players and we keep making short-term decisions about players who are going to perpetually keep us in this scraping fourth to finishing sixth kind of this kind of treadmill where mm. if we're a bit smart we might look at things and say well in two or three years we might be able to go higher than that but at the same time the club do have an immediate urgent need to get back into the top four and that's very real for them so it's it's very interesting to see how they're going to balance that that's very precarious it is i mean i i, I can see what you're saying there and i think everybody understands that a manager coming in like emery needs time i think there's a lot more to his job or and the jobs of the other people involved, actually, when you talk about the head of football and the head of recruitment and the contract guy and all that kind of stuff. I think there's a, a bit of a mess to clean up because so much of what we did in the last 18 to 24 months was short term. There was no real strategy to it. We have to start being strategic when it comes to to building our squad, whether that's developing young players, whether it's making transfers, uh, whether it's not making transfers at a time when there is pressure, and there is pressure from fans to invest in the club this January. And I think as much as I would love to see us go out and buy a central defender this January, and I think we need one, I think it would make us better, I'm not gonna sit here and say they should spend just for the sake of spending because then you get another Mustafi you get another Licksteiner you don't get players who are a significant improvement on on what you've got already so I do think there's real pressure from fans but in some ways they they have to ride it out and Andrew I'll, I'll just throw this over to you I say that on the basis that I hope, and I, I can't say I expect, but I hope that there is some kind of a plan, Yeah. right? That it's not just, uh, this seems like the sensible thing to do. Not spending in January makes a lot of sense if you are going to spend in the summer. The question is, are we going to spend in the summer? And I think that's where the real measure of, A, this new football regime i don't know what you call them football executive committee etc etc and the owner i think this is where we'll really get an idea of what's going to happen to this club in the future what we do in the summer i don't necessarily think what happens this january is the marker but i think the summer is yeah well i mean look you don't put the structure in place that we put in place and then basically restrict all of those people that you're paying big money to fulfill those roles and, and and just don't back them up. I mean, you can't bring in a head of recruitment and tell him, yeah, we're only really looking for, for loan dudes. Thanks very much. Mm. You know, you're not going to bring in a new coach who is probably going to want to shape a squad in his vision and then not give him the players to do it. Um, there has to be some kind of a plan, but it's a bloody ballsy move in this day and age as a, a football setup to try and play the long, long game. You can play the long game to a certain extent, but you then have to get it right, which puts a hell of a lot of pressure on our summer as soon as this season is over, especially if we don't qualify for the Champions League. Um, I know we'll have a bit more money coming in from that Adidas deal, but that Adidas deal isn't going to solve all of our problems magically. We really are going to have to have a very decisive summer, bringing in players who have long-term value, who also go on and achieve, because even when you spend the money, obviously there's no guarantee that that will happen. Um, there'll be a lot of pressure on a lot of people to get it right. And I guess if they're maybe giving themselves another six months to make sure they make the right decisions, fine. I mm. understand that. Tim, I mean, how do, you, how do you see it going in terms of what we do in the summer? I thought even though there were things we didn't do right, you know, when you, when you think about Ramsey and you think about Welbeck, and, and we can talk mm. about those guys now in, in a minute, but the fact that our incoming transfer business was done basically by the start of July or mid-July at the latest. That was mm. different, and that was a change, yeah. and that spoke to at least some sort of planning where we want to get all the players that we have and we want to start preseason, and we don't want to be going through August and, and dealing with deadline days or, or anything like that. And when you look at perhaps some of the things that they can do in the summer, not simply bringing players in, but moving players on to bring players in. So, uh, you know, sell Shkodran Mustafi, 
sell mm. Callum Chambers if Callum Chambers is I mean I'm not, I'm not just saying that because it's Mustafi although I really really mm. really really hope that <laughs> happens you know I, I just think that he is uh, as much as he frustrates us he probably is someone he, who we can get a few quid for um, mm-hmm. in the current market you look at Callum Chambers if we're not going to play Callum Chambers uh, and we're going to send him on loan to Fulham sell him sell Mohamed mm-hmm. Elneny sell these players who are not being used, who are not part of what what the future of Arsenal should be, and reinvest there as well. So it's not really, I mean, it is a big part of who we bring in, but also how we generate funds to bring in those players as well. Um, you, you have to be able to sell well. And I referenced Liverpool yeah. earlier on. We're not a club that sold well. You know, you think about Wojciech Szczesny mm. going for £10 million which is a is just absurd. Uh, you know, having farmed him out on loan for two seasons, we eventually sold him for a pittance to Juventus, you know, to replace Buffon, you know, for fuck's sake. So this is, and that's not just my Chesney hat on. I mean, if you got 30 million for Chesney, brilliant, you know, good business, mm. whatever. So it is about being able to buy well, but we have to, as a club, start selling well and using what resources we have available to us better than we have and that includes the wage bill and that's something they've got yep. to address as well yeah absolutely and and albeit you know we we've done quite badly with some players that are currently in our squad as well like ramsey and welbeck but one thing you can say is that their salaries will be going um shortly there'll be quite a bit coming off the wage bill um very shortly so there's potential to play around there i i think what's interesting about this summer is will be to see and we might never know for sure but to see how involved the manager or the head coach rather is because i think Mm. most well i i don't think i think we will probably pretty much know that most of those players that were bought last summer didn't really have any input from him because the timeline suggests that he wasn't even here when those deals were done so i'm sure when they gave him the job they kind of said look these are the guys we're bringing in and uh, the, i think the only player he had anything to do with was Gendouzi. Um and i think that's part of the reason he plays him so much because that's a player he actually wanted um not to say you know he's displeased with everyone else but that that was like his player mm. and i so i think what will be interesting this year is the extent to which he's involved because i don't think it's realistic to not involve him at all i'm sure he will have players in mind and you know the the links to ever benega don't ever seem to go away and i don't think that's sven mislintat's idea necessarily <laughs> no. um i think that might be his so what what we might see is um you know with this kind of transfer committee that we've that we've assembled this is when Unai Emery really comes into it um and and you know we might we might be seeing it a little bit now with Denis Suarez it would be really really interesting to know you know between Emery, Sanyehi and Mislintat do, do they all agree on on this do they all agree that they should only loan this player does Emery want to buy him and the other two are saying nope we're not we're not spending 25 million on this guy and um it, it would be really interesting to know if there's any fr- friction and if so where it is and and that's what's going to be interesting about this summer mm. and actually that might even hold up some of the deals because last summer we didn't have that there, there wasn't a, a kind of head coach to to for want of a better word interfere it was just right we're buying these guys and that's who the next manager is going to have um so that will be really interesting because now and especially in the summer that relationship is really going to start to develop for real because at the moment it's only really been a theory um but now that theory is going to get tested and those discussions are going to be had and maybe those arguments are going to be had and that's one of the things i'm fascinated about this summer but yes in terms of selling players i even think um with the cup competition some of these academy players Players. and i know you've been saying this over the last week or so like like not all of them are going to make it that's that's just common sense so even like this sounds really heartless and horrible but even like joe willock scoring twice against blackpool um we might be creating a market for these guys if we don't want to use them ourselves Mm. if eddie nketiah goes and scores in you know he probably won't play against man united but say we draw a lower league team in the fifth round and we put nketiah i like your like your optimism of getting through the fourth round yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly but you know creating a market for yeah. some of these academy players and some of these guys who might not be Arsenal players in, in the fullness of time but you know Eddie Nketiah you look at what Chelsea
Chelsea are doing with Tammy Abraham. They don't use him. They don't want to use him. They have absolutely no intention of using him, but they keep putting him out on loan and he keeps doing quite well. And now there's a market for him and they can make some money for him. And, uh, you know, were it not for the player himself, he'd have gone to Wolves for quite a big transfer fee. And and these are the areas where we can be a little bit smart as well, because I think we've got mm. a decent crop of youngsters. And even if they're not all, you know, future Arsenal stars that, you know, we, we can do some horse trading there. Yeah, for sure. Andrew, you, you know, if you're if you're going to operate on a self-sustaining model, which we are and Raul and Vinay were very clear to make that point when they did their round of interviews and when they, you know, uh, schmoozed the various journalists that they met with, uh, that was a key part of their message, that they are going to continue with this self-sustaining model. So you have to be clever and find different sources of income. And Adidas, fantastic. And we have TV rights and commercial partners. And if we get a fucking hot dog partner in some far-flung part of the world, brilliant, well done. That's an area that we could certainly improve in the commercial side of things. But the the big money um, in football is transfers and player transfers. And uh, if we can develop young players as products i hate to say it but that's kind of what they are uh it is a way for us to uh, to generate income that we can reinvest back into our squad yeah look i mean monetizing the academy i think is is obviously a, a a very good way of bringing in some additional income obviously the 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 market for young english players has expanded beyond these borders to the continent now which mm. i mean just wasn't a thing five ten years ago was it um i mean in terms of giving young players an opportunity from the academy with a view to being able to bump up their price i kind of feel like that's what wenger was doing during some of his you know play you know his lineups in the in the league cup and stuff even a player with one or two appearances even if those are only 20 minutes of their name would bump up a price by maybe 500 grand or something yeah so it, it's just that the market there has gone to another level that's fine. But what I'm still very confused about is that we have a number of players who this summer will leave for free. Czech, Welbeck, Ramsey. You know, there's a fairly high chance that we might let Jenkinson and Koscielny go. Could You know, mm. they're not going to generate us any cash. And that's five players just out of the, 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 the first team. Squad. I mean, I'm losing very loosely with Carl. But, you know, four players, Czech, Welbeck, Ramsey and Koscielny, who I reckon could leave for next to nothing. And then... It becomes, you know, I'm, I'm genuinely baffled by that. I mean, obviously, we've had a lot of bad luck with the Welbeck thing. Perhaps in the summer, we looked at Welbeck and we thought maybe we can get a transfer for him in January and that might fight, you know, might go some way towards funding some business if we need to do it in January. And obviously, that situation has just fallen by the wayside with his injury. Um, but we, yeah, we really are very, very bad at, at, at moving players on for any kind of significant money. I just, it, it, it genuinely baffles me. Um, and there needs to be a, a huge overhaul of how we seem to do business on that front. I think it's going to be really, really difficult to get rid of people like Mkhitaryan and Mustafi. I've got a feeling that Mkhitaryan doesn't really have a long-term future at the club, but his wages are ridiculous now, and I think he's probably not going to get enough game time or deliver on the way that he ever did at like Borussia Dortmund for, for another team to look at him in the same way that we maybe looked at him when he was at Manchester United. Mustafi, I mean, Jesus, I mean, the, we need to start talking positively about him at this point because otherwise no one's going to believe that he's worth anything more than about five quid. And that would be your fault, Andrew. You've got a big following on Twitter. Right, OK. I, I apologise for destroying the Mustafi market. It was, it was me with my remote control at home that's making him slide it on his arse every time. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I do know what you're oh. saying. I do know what you're saying. And it is... Uh, it is uh, I, I, I think it's a consequence of the way the business has been done and contracts have been managed. And I know mm. people, um, you know, they want to criticize Gazidis. Fine, be my guest. I'm not going to stop you. Uh, and I'm just going to stop myself from doing it. And, you know, Wenger and, and the way things were, were run, uh, I, I don't think they've left us in the best shape possible. But, uh, Andrew, they, they had a decision to make this summer as well. Raul and Sven had a decision to make. They're the people who are running the football side of things, and they decided not to sell Ramsey or Welbeck in the summer. Well, I mean, it's really interesting, isn't it? Because Gazidis' departure just pushed all of the responsibility onto two more people who had no idea that they were going to have the full responsibility for this. And 
whether they're picking up the plan that Gazidis had for the rest of the year or whether they've decided to go in their own direction as a as a twosome um, is one that I think we, we, we don't really know at the moment. Um, they themselves are probably still getting to grips. I mean, you know, when you're in a new job, they've literally had it for three months. I know that they were in the club already, but this is a, a big responsibility on their shoulders and, and one that neither of them have had before. Um you know, the pressure's on. I mean, I, I admire them in some ways if they are going to stick to a long game because having patience in modern football is is, is not something that mm. a lot of people have. I mean, it's 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 really, really bold. Um, I don't know, what, Tim, whether you agree with that. Mm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, you know... It, even um, the Ramsey thing, that, that that was an incredibly bold thing to do. And bold might be uh, a synonym that's somewhat interchangeable. But, um, you know, to, to quite publicly take the, tra- the, the contract off the table like that and just absolutely slam the fist and say, no, we're not paying him um, that salary, um, whether it's because we can afford it or not, and we're going to lose him for free. I mean, that they you know they're not silly they're going to know that there's going to be a hell of a lot of scrutiny and not just from arsenal fans for that because people are looking around and going wow you've got like a top class 28 year old central midfielder that you're losing to for nothing they know that that they're going to get criticized for that but and i I don't know as, as awfully as i think the ramsey and the welbeck situations have been managed that does give me a perverse kind of hope that that a that there's some kind of plan because i don't think that's something you do unless you were doing it for a reason um and for a fairly long-term reason and whether it's just to get off this kind of treadmill of well Ozil was getting this kind of money so i want it you know whether they're just saying right no that's that's it that was a previous regime um you know almost like swinging at the biggest guy in the prison kind of thing just kind of saying nope this is you know new broom here new people we don't do business this way anymore um but you know that's 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 incredibly risky and look People like Raul Sané, he got, you know, have held the jobs they've held because, you know, they kind of know what they're doing in these situations. And that's the kind of hope we have to hold on to. And obviously we can't really see what this long term plan is yet. But listen, you know, no one on that committee I keep referring it to would be happy to lose Aaron Ramsey for free. They, They know as well as we do that that is an awful lose lose scenario for Arsenal. The only saving grace is that he's gone abroad because if he'd have ended up in a Chelsea or a Manchester United shirt, I think we would have all lost our collective shit even more mm. so it hope i'm i'm just hoping that making that really firm decision that they know will attract criticism is evidence of them being strong and saying no we we've got like there's a longer game here and we'll lose the battle but there's a war to win do, that's, do you, that's what i'm hoping yeah i i hope that too but then part of me kind of thinks that we're looking at raul and sven and these guys through the same kind of prism in which we look at a new player you know mm-hmm. Mustafi was unbeaten for 19 games when he came in and everyone went hey this guy look this is quite and then in time it doesn't quite work out the way the way you might like so you know I think we are hopeful and maybe we've good reason to be hopeful and maybe some of the work that they're doing is evidence of why we should be hopeful but at the same time we're it's a small sample size you know that's why I think However big the frustration is this month, and I, you know, I completely get it. I think the summer is when we're really going to be able to sit down when the transfer window closes before the first game of the next Premier League season, and we can say, right, let's have a look at this squad that we've got. Is it capable of doing what we wanted to do this season? And I think that's where not the first line in the sand should be, but I think that's a that's a reasonable point at which we can start to make judgments about the work that they've been doing. Yeah, absolutely. And the other thing I, I suppose we haven't really touched on in January as well as Arsenal have got two potential routes into the Champions League. And it's really highly likely that at pretty much anyone we sign, if they're any good, um, is not going to be eligible for one of the routes and possibly our best route. I still think might be the Europa League, albeit we're still competing with Chelsea on that as well. Um, but 
you know, if so, if if we're kind of hedging our bets and trying to balance these two priorities, and we go out and spend a load of money on a player who's fairly short term um, in terms of our need, and he can't even help us for fifty percent of, you know, of our of our kind of biggest priorities, mm. then, you know, if you do like a cost benefit analysis of that, it's it's probably not that good. Like Obama um, in last season, basically. Well, yeah. I mean, I mean, if we can get an Abamyang, I'd I'd be all on that. Um, do do I think I might live to regret these words? <laughs> do I want Eva Benega and Denis Suarez in January? Probably not. Um, you wouldn't one of take, them on loan, maybe. You wouldn't take. I'd take Suarez on loan. I can see yep. a lot of sense in that loan deal. The the yep. idea that we might buy him was, I think, just too risky for me. You know, the fact that he's Same. barely played uh, this season. But if you can bring him in on loan and Emery knows him well enough to, to know if he can have an impact on this team, absolutely. I'm fine. Absolutely fine with yeah. a loan deal because I do think we need something in that in that final third. Do I think we should go out and spend more money on a 30-year-old who's going to command a big wage? No. I think we need to completely shift the, 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 uh, the demographic or the age profile of the players that we're signing. So more Terreras and Genduzis, even if they're not quite the fully formed articles yet, you know? I mean, so. is there something about the fact that the two players that we've been linked with the most in January, Benega and Suarez, have a direct link to Emery and we're not hearing yeah. about really any other names at all. I mm. mean, Sven's obviously not sitting there going, yeah, cool, Unai, you just pick the players and I'll just sit back and, you know, go negotiate for you if that's what you want. Yeah, I think there probably is. You know, I think any manager needs his trusted lieutenants, doesn't he? You know, you think about what what Wenger did uh, when he arrived and he brought Remy Gard and he brought Emmanuel Petit, players that he knew from his time in France because he knew what they, they were about. And I think there has to be an element of that with, with Unai Emery as well. But, Andrew, just um, going back to Aaron Ramsey, mm. if we take it as read that he's going abroad to Juventus and good luck to him, he's got an amazing contract there. It's going to be worth a, a lot of money for him. Bosman deal, big signing on fee, going to a huge club where he will probably win the title in Italy and will have a reasonable chance of winning a Champions League, which he doesn't have at Arsenal right now. How much does clarity on his situation allow us to then use him more than we have been at the moment? I, I get the idea that you don't want to be reliant or building around a player who's not going to be part of your future. But at the same time, if you've got a player who is in the peak years of his career, who's wanted by PSG, there's interest from Real Madrid, according to David Ornstein, there's interest from Liverpool, there's interest from Chelsea, there was interest last summer from Manchester United, who might have been prepared to put some money on the table, uh, but it was um, made clear that that wouldn't be accepted by by Arsenal. Um, Are we not cutting off our nose despite our face by keeping his role diminished? I mean, it's 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 definitely it's definitely an unusual situation. I mean, this time last year, Aaron Ramsey was one of the first names on the team sheet every week under Arsene. Um, and I still think when you watch him playing, even when he's playing in the FA Cup, he's still quite an influential figure. That said, if we're looking in the transfer market at a long-term strategy about how Unai is going to build a team. If Unai Emery doesn't believe that Aaron Ramsey is a player that fits his system now and isn't going to be around next season to be part of whatever system he wants to play, I kind of understand what he's doing. At the same time, the squad will have injuries. There will be uh, a, a huge number of games to play, especially when we start up in the Europa League and if we progress in the in the FA Cup. When you know, just being able to call on Aaron Ramsey is going to be great for us. I don't believe for one moment that Aaron Ramsey would play at anything other than 100%. I mean, he strikes me as being a very honest professional all the way to the end of the season. And to a certain extent, he'll be able to play with the pressure off. I mean, he'll it'll be like the Aaron Ramsey farewell tour. You know, <laughs> there'll be goodwill on the part of the Arsenal fans um, to him. And I'm sure after a decade of being at the club and everything he's been through and the competitions he's won with us. He has a, a fond feeling for us. I mean, after all, we're talking about a guy who was, by all you know, by all accounts, quite happy to stay at Arsenal, knowing full well that there was interest from the likes of, you know, some of Europe's biggest clubs, some of the English clubs as well. Um, he was happy to stay. I think he was someone who's, you know, 
found a home here and he's probably more surprised than anybody that he's actually going to be heading off to Italy. Um, I, I suggest we make as much use of him as possible when Unai wants to make use of him and if he needs to. But I also understand why you might keep him in reserve. Tim, just final thoughts from you on, on the Aaron Ramsey situation. Yeah. Andrew, you're you're right. I was, you know, uh, told that, you know, if the offer had been right, he would have been happy to stay at Arsenal. Um, I see footballing reasons cited as to why the contract was withdrawn. And I think today's little bit of information from, from Unai Emery makes me doubt that was a significant factor. It might have been a factor, but I think the major factor was was financial. Um, but Tim, as we go towards May, as we involve ourselves in the Europa League, as we get right into a big, big scrap with two of the biggest clubs in England uh, for a top four place, I think we've got to we've got to use our best players as much as possible. Mm-hmm. And I think Ramsey is one of our best players. Yeah, I agree. I've completely. Um kind of uh, turned around on this subject because at the beginning of the season when we were always playing that 4-2-3-1 and Ramsey was always in that number 10 I was thinking look uh, that's not his best role he doesn't fit he doesn't fit what the manager's doing and it's not worth our while trying to shoehorn him in mm. things have changed now first of all Mkhitaryan's injured second of all Mesut Ozil and the manager don't see eye to eye and there doesn't seem to be a role for Mesut Ozil Danny Welbeck's injured so we've got lots of injuries there at the moment and we're not we're not like we're not exactly settling into a style we're playing different formations every week so i think the 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 specter of him not fitting in i don't think that really applies anymore because fit into what we do something completely different every game so there's nothing there's not a mold to fit into it's not like we're settling into this 4231 that we were doing at the beginning of the season we've we've changed things have changed and, uh, you know, we were talking at the outset about balancing the long term and the short term and balancing the urgent need to get back in the Champions League with the future. And I think that using Ramsey, inducing him for all he has, and I agree with what Andrew said as well, with the pressure off of him as well, and we know what a professional is and, and, and everything else, I think juice him for all we can. And, we, you know, we've just been talking, haven't we, about really doing a big squad reassessment in the summer. So we're not settled. We're not going to settle. We're not going to settle into a style of football what we're doing is we're fighting for points and we're fighting for a trophy and then we're talking about reassessing in the summer and that seems to be what the club are doing because they don't want to spend anything in January so for me for the next four months let's be very short term um, and then in the summer let's really start going long term so for me Ramsey he doesn't not fit anymore. We've got lots of injuries and, you know, this is the business end of the season. I think he's playing really well. So mm-hmm. uh, let's keep using him. All right. Well, look, gents, uh, I've taken up a fair whack of your time, but I think between the three of us, we've managed to sort out all the problems that Arsenal face. Uh, they just need to do exactly what we think they should do and everything will be hunky-dory. So Agreed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Andrew, thanks a million. Always a pleasure. Uh, thank you. It's been great. Tim, thanks a lot. My pleasure. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm, Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. 
Thank you very much indeed to the fellas. You know where to find them. Tim is on Twitter at Stilberto. You can read his column every Thursday on arsblog.com and catch his coverage of the Arsenal women on arsblog.news. Andrew, you will find on arsblog.news as well. And he's on Twitter at a Allen Sport at a Allen Sport. Just to finish off, a very quick look ahead to this game against West Ham on Saturday. It's kind of an Arsenal reunion, isn't it? We've got Lukas Fabianski, Lucas Perez, although I did see a story about how West Ham were prepared to sell Lucas Perez in this uh, in this January transfer window. So there you go. Uh, Jack Wilshere, of course, is at the club and Samir Nasri. I thought we'd seen the last of that little fucker, but no. West Ham have rescued him from wherever the hell he was. Oh, he had a band, didn't he? He was banned for, you know... All that stuff he did. And uh, he's probably going to do something really, really annoying in this game. Uh, It's just one of those situations, isn't it, where you go, ah, yeah, pretty much inevitable that he does something that gives us a pain in our arse on Saturday. Whatever it might be, I don't know, but something, something. If he doesn't, I'll be very surprised. We have all our defenders back again, though, which is good. Mustafi. Well, he's back, and Koscielny is back, Monreal is back, Hector Bellerin is back, and that's very important for us because we need uh, our fullbacks to do a lot of the uh, creative attacking work that Unai Emery likes, and with all due respect to Stefan Lichsteiner, he can't do what Hector Bellerin does, so Bellerin back, hopefully fully fit and raring to go, having missed the last three or four weeks, and you have to hope that between now and May we can start adding a little bit of defensive solidity to our game because we have been essentially a shambles until now in the Premier League. We've conceded 30 goals in uh, 21 games, and that's really, really not good enough. There are mitigating circumstances. We've had injuries. We all know what they are. Nevertheless, we should do better with the players that we've got. We know they need to be replaced, some of them. We know we need better quality players, but I still think they're capable of better than what we've seen so far. How much of it is down to the manager, the system, individual mistakes? We could sit here and debate that until the cows come home. But, you know, after a week in which we've had no midweek game, they've been able to work on things on the training ground. Let's hope that we see defenders actually defending and doing their jobs. And if we do that, then we've got the attacking prowess and the goals in our team to cause West Ham problems. So, fingers crossed, a very important three points in the scrap for the top four. Uh, It's away from home. It is a London derby. They're always tough. But let's hope we do enough to take three points and we can all have a nice weekend and hope that everybody else loses. I think we deserve that, don't we? We do. Thank you, as ever, for listening. James and I will We'll be here on Monday with an Arsecast Extra looking over the West Ham game. So join us for that. I'll catch you on the next one. Until then, cheers. Bye-bye. I was sitting there trying to figure out what the fuck has gone wrong with the world when this guy walked through the door. He was a strange looking cat with a weird voice. I couldn't quite place the accent. Sort of like original Mexican. Mister, I need your help, he said. Yeah, that much I figured out already, I said. What kind of help do you need? Well, he said, I started a new job pretty recently. They promised me a lot of things, said I could invest to make things better, showed me the books, everything looked kosher. Now I'm being told I can only order single-ply toilet paper. You want me to get you better toilet paper, I said? No, he said, I, I need you to look deeper than that. I need you to explain where the money is. You need me to what, I said. Explain, he said. Sorry, mister, I, 
I don't know what you're talking about, I said. I just want to know where the money is, he said. Oh, mister, I said. You'll learn. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Mm. 